UX Podcast Episode 92. Welcome to UX Podcast, balancing business technology and users every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. I'm James Roy Lawson. And I'm Pad Axbom. Hello, Pad. Hello, James. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you again. Yeah, we're in the same room. We, we usually the are these days, recording. We usually are. Mm. Uh, and I've got a red microphone, you've got a blue microphone. <laughs> yeah. Just to give that kind of, you know. And what, you've got a hoodie on. I haven't really got a hoodie on today. Because look, I, I've got a hood. Interesting. See? But it's kind of a hoodie. I always have a hoodie on. Yeah. It's my trademark. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing today? We're doing an interview. We are. We're calling up uh, Lisa Welchman. That's right. Uh, who is she, James? Lisa. Um, she is president of Digital Govern- Governance Solutions at Active Standards. Um, um, oh, she's been in the business for a long time, longer than us even. Um, started out back in the day at Nescape. Longer than us. <laughs> 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 no, I know. I did want <laughs> Not, not that we're all that old. But, um, <laughs> you know, no, in the 90s, she started out with Netscape and Cisco Systems. Um, and after that, she moved on to starting her own management consultancy company called um, Watchman Pierpoint. Um, but she, um, oh, that was bought by Active Standards last year. Um, now she's just written her first book, um, which is Managing Chaos, Digital Governance by Design, mm. which is um, out soonish on Rosenfeld Me- Media. Digital governance, one of those things that you have to attend to, but a lot of companies fail to actually yeah. do. I love this. I mean, we used to say web, we used to say web governance, mm. um, but I think we, we've it's now, well, we've gone from having just websites to being such a multitude of different things like apps and so on. So digital mm. governance is generally what you say. And I love this topic. Yeah, because you know, with me being this is this is my roots mm. as, as, as such in, um, in in digital in the web is with mm. taking care of all these websites. And she's in England today, so we're almost in the same time zone. Yeah. We're going to call her up. We had a bit of look there, so we don't have to travel all the way across the pond with Skype. And just before we call her up, we're going to be in a different time zone, uh, 3rd to the 5th of June. Not that far off, though. It's the UK time zone, actually. Actually, yes. Mm, GMT. <laughs> oh, BST. Uh, we're going to UXLX again, the birthplace of this podcast. What are we doing there? We're just well, gonna we're going to we're going to be there. We're actually going to attend some workshops we are, and, we're gonna, and, the, and the talks as well. And mm. we're going to be interviewing some people. And we'd love you to come along and join us. Yeah, it'd be fun to see you there. Mm. Uh, so it really fills up quick that conference. So get your ticket soon. I think there are some forms of early bird tickets left available, and you can get those until the end of February. Mm-hmm. So if you fancy joining us in um, what's usually a nice, warm, pleasant Lisbon. And really good fun. And, um, oh, it is. We're go <laughs> so to, looking forward yeah, to it. Go to ux-lx.com. Yep. So hopefully we'll see you there. Come say hi to us. Uh, let's call Lisa. Let's ring her up. First of all, it's really great to have you on the show. So that, uh, that that's a first. Uh, Thank you. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you are the thought leader in corporate governance, digital corporate governance. I actually uh, said that to Purge before we started. I said, oh, I've been looking forward to talking to yeah, Lisa because yeah. she's a thought leader yeah. in digital governments. So mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to talking to her for a couple of years. So it's, it's fantastic to have you on. And so, But in your own words, uh, tell us a bit about your background and how you ended up where you are now. 
You know, I'll, I'll start with my educational background. I always had a really strong interest um, in school in philosophy of language and semantics. Oh, cool. And uh, philosophy of science. So I like sort of abstractions and thinking about language and that sort of thing. And that led me to really have a strong interest in symbolic logic, right? So I kind of like machine thinking. Mm. So uh, the internet came along, you know, when I was somewhere in my in my late 20s and I sort of jumped on board and my first sort of real uh, real job in the internet was at Cisco Systems and it was interesting because I came in there in 96, 97, something like that and my son was an infant and uh, they already had multi-channel delivery, right? So they were taking Quark documents, putting them in the top of a machine and they spit out HTML, um, text for a book as well, you know, for technical documentation and it was being burned to CD-ROM. Yeah. So, um, and they had, you know, hundreds of thousands of documents online. So my first real experience very early on was on large scale digital development. There was no social media at that time. Um, there were no web content management systems to speak of at that time. Right. So yeah. it was really an interesting time. In fact, I cut my teeth with some uh, content management system vendors thinking about that. So I got to really see the dynamics of large-scale web, international, multinational, um, localization, multi-channel delivery, all those things that we still struggle with today. I saw them early. So that was sort of a little bit of an intellectual advantage. And, you know, I started my own firm in 99, thinking that I would help people figure out how to manage large-scale websites, whether that was content management system selection, search engine, you know, optimization, which we didn't call that then. I mean, all these things that have names now were all sort of all the same thing, right? So, yeah. so I thought, yeah, Cisco has trouble managing their website. So must everybody else. I'll do that. So that's really evolved over the years uh, into this digital governance focus. Um, somewhere along the line, I started realizing that people pretty equally um, implemented technology and designed websites yeah. sort of equally badly. Right, and so that that wasn't the reason why it wasn't working, but it really was the people and their lack of organization that was an issue, and that it really is a challenge to do digital well inside an organization because it cuts horizontally across things. So that's a real strong intellectual interest of mine, and that's really what I've been examining um, through a lot of different lenses and working with in terms of consulting, you know, over the last 20 years almost, which is shocking. Right, 20 years. Yeah, it is fantastic. Really I was impressed. You, in 99, you started your company around these same issues that you're working with now, which is amazing. That's correct. That you're, <laughs> you had that idea already then. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not, it, yeah, it's, it, that's good. I'm, you know, I'll pat myself on the back <laughs> for that. But I, honestly, the awareness comes from the experience, yeah. right? So that's where I was just very fortunate that I just happened to work at this place that had a big, giant website early. Because a lot of people really had to ramp up into that, mm. right? And I was very naive when I left there. I thought that this business idea I had of helping people manage large-scale websites mm. was going to take off like lickety-split. Mm. And so it's shocking to me that, you know, I've written a book and it's coming out in 2015 and we're still talking about it, right? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I, you could just as well I, have written it I, yeah. 20 years ago. I mean, I, I hear exactly well, you what you're saying. It's just, it's fascinating mm, to me. Yeah. And, I, and I mean that. I'm very intellectually interested in the idea. And mostly I'm interested in the people because I've had that job and it's not fun trying to sort of wrestle this beast down um, 
when you don't really have management support, when your team isn't properly funded, when you don't have, you know, the right human resources, and when you're constantly trying to convince people that, you know, this discipline of digital, whether and all the facets that go along with it, whether or not that's UX, or whether or not that's, you know, application development, that there's legitimacy to it, yeah. right? And that that the organization ought to take that seriously and really ingest that function properly, that's an uncomfortable spot to be in, that you sort of, you are the public face of the organization externally, but internally you're sort of like the poor stepchild. Mm. So it can, it's an interesting dynamic and I really enjoy working with the teams. I mean, I just, I think, exactly just that 20 years on from when you started and for me I, I'd have, I'd a similarish start my career here in Sweden started at Ericsson competitor to Cisco uh, back in the day um, yeah. and, and I, I went through a very similar story I, you know bringing governance methods into a very chaotic um, you know, non-governed uh, workplace and came out with the other end of it thinking well you know I've worked out what you do now in this situation thinking exactly like you that I, you could just roll yeah. out governance methods you know after this one after the other and we'll fix it all and yeah Everybody wants to do yeah. it, yeah. And it's still the same things, you know. Every every new new um, client I work with and and projects I go into, there's still governance issues and and uh, chaos. And and I think what it does straight away just shows how or reminds us again about how young this industry is. Mm-hmm. And that fifteen twenty years in the scale of an industry is you know we're, we're still at the big bang. Yeah, we are actually. That's right. <laughs> But absolutely fascinating. Yeah, and I was I was actually at Ericsson back then. I mean, ninety eight. I was working with uh, yeah, updating uh, the web guidelines for Ericsson, which was pretty cool. I was a web editor back then. <laughs> That's what we called them. Remember all yeah. those names? Oh yeah, webmaster. I saw an, uh, actually mm-hmm. an, an article yesterday about webmaster and what that means and how you can interpret that and, and translate it to Swedish. And they, in my mind, they got it all wrong. That's mm-hmm. not what a webmaster does. A webmaster does everything. I, but my title was a bit more cool. I was um, I was a interactive media manager. Back then, Ooh, oh, fifteen wow. years ago. Really? Yeah, that's amazing. We had we had <laughs> high ambitions. Mm. But, um, I was web publishing systems mm. program manager. Ooh, nice. That's a good title. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's pretty good. It is pretty. Yeah. <laughs> a few years ago, I wrote a blog post that was something like, you know, the webmaster's dead, long live the webmaster, or something stupid mm. like that. I can't remember what it was, but you know. That's always a bad sign when I go in an organization and there's somebody who has a title webmaster mm-hmm. because I'm like, okay, something's really wrong mm-hmm. because nobody should be doing everything all by themselves anymore, mm-hmm. right? Cause, which is what I think of. When I think of the webmaster, that was really early back in the day. That was the person who configured the web server, installed the search engine software, designed the website, wrote all the content, right? They were just the person mm-hmm. in the corner who knew how to do those sorts of things. Exactly. And... um. But, uh, you know, so I know sometimes it's just a legacy title, but it's just fascinating. We did a research study maybe in 2009, um, and one of the things we were trying to target, like, the person who was in charge of digital in large organizations. And one of the questions we asked was, what was your job title? And I think we got 600 total responses back to the survey that we sent out, and there were over 400 different titles. Mm, yep, yep. And so, you know, one of the things that I'm really interested in, you know, having just completed the book, or, you know, there's always a new intellectual challenge, which is how can we normalize the discipline of digital and really come up with the set of names, not just because I want to control things, but so that people can have a career, right, <laughs> and can, can move laterally from organization to organization. Like, there's no system to it. If you work in marketing communications or in IT, there's some pretty 
good tracks, mm. right, that work inside organizations. I mean, there's some differences here and there, but that's really hard to do in digital because every organization does it a little bit differently. Mm. And there's a lack of coordination and really sort of a lack of professionalization for the whole set of things. And so um, that's just something interesting to explore. And I might find out that I'm completely wrong mm. about that, right? Yeah. Maybe that's it's not a set of things but I, it's something i want to put a little thought into mm. that, that leads me to quite well i've got a question then what is digital governance oh well that's a good thing because i write that all the time and so i have many different uh versions of that definition mm. but the the most simple one is really being intentional about the way that your digital team is formed and shaped mm. and then understanding who within that team is accountable for defining digital policy, digital standards, and the strategy for digital. So it's not those artifacts. So sure, it's fun to write policy standards mm. and a digital strategy, but usually that's not the problem. Usually the problem is sort of knowing where all the people are who touch your web, mobile, and social entities inside an organization, and then who has the authority yeah. to mm. establish those things. Because, you know, that's the meeting that you have when you're doing a website redesign and everybody gets in the room and folks are arguing about, mm. like, which way are we going to go? Well, who actually is supposed to decide? Exactly. Right? So digital governance cleans that up. Yeah. So it's a very sort of simplistic sort of exercise of clarifying roles and responsibilities mm. around, you know, digital operations, basically. But um, it's powerful because once you have that, you can start thinking, yeah, well, we're going to have this meeting in which we discuss our new website design, but it's going to be a discussion. And then those who are actually empowered to make the decision will make the decision based on input from other people, business needs, and a variety of other things. Mm -hmm. Right now, from what I see, that's not how it works most of the time. It's sort of like, you know, and it can get quite complicated in a global multinational, like, you know, who decides what the corporate homepage looks like across the globe mm -hmm. right i mean it just just i mean it gets fantastic even um you put in multiple brands then you start doing translation and language and localization and it can really get quite complex if you don't understand who's supposed to be making these decisions and i think that's how you sort of get the mess online exactly right yeah. so, so you have a page in your book where you actually descri describe the situation you imagine a situation where you go into a meeting and everybody's on the same page and everybody's in agreement with what approach to take with this decision as opposed to all the meetings that I go to on a regular basis where there's arguments about where to place links even or what images to use yeah. and stuff like that. So digital governance solves those problems of those long meetings. And at the same time, as soon as you bring up something like digital governance or policies or something, it's, you're the boring person in the room who's killing creativity. And how do you, how do you balance that out? That, that well, I mean, yes. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I, I always counter that argument and I, I don't like it at all mm. because I, I have a, a thing mm. about creativity and, and governance um, that's, you know, I just think that's wrong. Let's just put, <laughs> you know, say that firmly. In fact, it's, mm. it's violently wrong mm. because I think people often confuse um, freedom of expression with uh, being able to do whatever you want. So yeah. the one, the output of a, of a digital governance framework, really the practical output is that an organization is developing digital within a standards-based framework, mm. right? So that everyone knows what the standards are. So most people say, oh, I can't be creative because we have standards. <laughs> and, I'm, and I say, no, actually, or you're slowing me down 
because I have to go through this bureaucratic thing. You can be agile and have standards. In fact, the agile development environment is standards-based, right? I mean, there are rules about how to go through Scrum. There are rules about the roles and responsibilities. It's highly governed, right? It's highly governed so that things can move quickly, right? And so a, a governance framework isn't going to tell a graphic designer to hold their pen a certain way or you can only consider certain colors when you're coming up with the standard. It's just going to say, this graphic designer gets to decide what the design is. Mm. It doesn't really do anything. And that actually speeds things up and enhances creativity because people understand where the lines are. Yeah. And you know, one of the analogies that I use in the book is um, jazz. I was just gonna say, huge don't jazz you have a good nut. example about jazz? Um, <laughs> to put in here. Yeah. yeah, I'm mm. a huge jazz nut and I play jazz piano mm. and I'm a jazz singer and you know, you sit down and you have a lead sheet in front of you and these are the 13 chords in the song and you can only play these 13 chords. Of course, you could change your mind if you wanted to in the middle, you got really excited, but you know, let's just stay within the lines for a second. There's a lot of really good improvisational jazz where people are making things that are going, going completely wild, mm -hmm. but they're operating within this standards-based framework of a grid. And so it's got nothing to do with that. Mm. The World Wide Web operates over a standards-based framework and we're all just totally riffing and doing exciting things on, like that. Plants and animals and human beings have a standards-based framework. Mm. We have DNA structure. <laughs> um, nothing doesn't operate in a standards-based framework yeah. and yet we have all this diversity. So when people, you can tell I'm passionate about mm. this because I'm just like, you're just wrong. Yeah. No, but it's, yeah, you're, <laughs> just, it's you've just, got to create. That's just not how it works. You've got to lay down. The, you've got to create the game space. I mean, you've got to set yeah. the, the the boundaries for where you're allowed. To, it's like saying, right, kids, you can go across to the park, but you're not allowed to leave the park. Fair enough. You right. can you can be as creative as you like in the playground. Right. But mm. please don't leave the playground. Mm. So right. Simple boundaries, simple game space, mm. and then. But you know, even with that, in that case, there's always the child who has his back to the whole rest of the park mm. and is looking at that line going, I'm just going to put my foot over here. Exactly. <laughs> right? Because, I mean, and, that, and there's always that person, and that's great because that person's probably an iconoclast. They might be an innovator. They might be an extreme case of an innovator who actually is going to break mm. open something brand new. Mm. But I would argue to say, I mean, everyone likes to think they're that person, but those people are rare. Yeah. Right? And so most people working in an enterprise can be highly creative and do really great work without being an iconoclast. And I'd also argue that most people are not by nature iconoclasts. Right, so that, so that person in the room who's arguing with you might actually be an innovator, but most probably they're just a snotty kid. <laughs> well, yeah, or they just don't, yeah, or they're not really thinking about it or they're frustrated. Yeah. I mean, more generously, I would say they're probably frustrated by this really ridiculous situation that they're in, you know, particularly folks who are in this core aspect of the digital team, the ones who are responsible for overall quality, but have been given no budget and no authority to make people <laughs> comply with standards, right? So sometimes people are just kind of in a bad mood because their job's really stressful and those things come out. And so the sort of human aspect of a, of a governing framework is it should settle things down, mm. right? So you're not your job isn't about arguing with people. So this is this is where we come into. So we've got the we've got the game space. We've got the governance framework. But then we're com we're now coming into collaboration within that um, mm -hmm. framework. So, but what's the best way of communicating the framework? Is what you're getting into, I guess. Or getting people to collaborate within the framework. Mm -hmm. Well, mm. you know, collaboration is obviously something that I think about a lot because really that's what we're doing with a framework is building a collaboration mm -hmm. model. Yeah. 
the nature of digital is that it is multi-directional and many dimensional, right? So that means I have to talk to everybody in my organization in order to do digital well. I can't just talk to people down my silo or down that silo, and particularly for UX folks, right? That's huge, mm. right? You have to understand the whole breadth of it. Mm. Well, that really runs counter to how organizations work and function. They go down, you know, I, I make an analogy between nested hierarchical and object-oriented, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So organizations are organized in nested hierarchies, right? If you want something from someone, like their money, you have to walk up to the top of your silo, right? Mm -hmm. and then tell that person, and then they have to walk sideways, right, to the top of another silo, talk to that person, and then that person has to go walk down to their silo. Even though you might be talking, you know what I mean? You might want to just walk directly to that person, but you can't. There's just sort of like this movement that's really difficult inside organizations like that. And so those collaboration models are tough. So one of the things that we really focus on is not breaking down silos, which is what people say all the time. We say that. Which is, re <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. Yeah. People have to work in yeah. silos. You can't work in an 80,000 person silo. Mm. You won't get anything done, yeah. right? I mean, that's what Agile says. There are limits mm. to the size of the team because there are optimal team sizes. So I'm saying that's fine, but connect the silos intentionally, mm. right? And operate against the same standards-based framework. Right, so the things that are important that are the same about development, write them down and share them, right? And make sure that you have people whose job it is to run from silo to mm. silo, right, with information. And so that's the hardest part mm. of collaboration in, in silos. Oftentimes people don't have those connectors, right? Traditionally we've called them project managers, yeah. right? Or um, scrum managers or you know whatever you there's there's a lot of different organizational names for that dynamic sometimes a business analyst yeah. might perform that function right so digital isn't as great about doing that and i think it's just because we don't we're not really rich mature about our resource models and the organization doesn't really take it seriously enough to think oh we need an analyst to run from silo to silo to make sure you know everything is actually congruent but that's an, along with sort of maturing the digital profession, another area that I'm really interested in as well, which is the impact of digital on org structure. So can, can we fix digital governance in an organization without first fixing um, the corporate culture first or the corporate governance first? That's an interesting question. Um, my answer is it doesn't matter and I don't know. Right. So, so <laughs> two answers. <laughs> well, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know, and it likely doesn't matter. And the reality is because they'll never really get fixed, yeah. right? Because you know all of this change and stuff operates on a continuum, and things will shift over time. So, I'm a firm believer in understand the direction that you want to go in and move that way, right? Just yeah. make sure that all the tail fluttering, hand flapping, swim strokes are generally moving you to the right end of the pool. When you've got sort of this disruptive type of thing happening, like digital in an organization, so many things are happening at one time, you can't really understand, you know, or be too intentional sometimes about, or too prescriptive, how about that? Yeah. Too prescriptive about what's going on. So in the, to, to be more direct, I think that digital is the tail that wags the dog. Often when we start projects with folks and we're talking, they say, um, you know, we'll go in for two or three days of discovery and on site and we'll sit down and they'll start, you know, sort of either defending or explaining why their website's so bad, 
right? Mm. We know we know this page, the information architectures, and I always say to them, I, you know, sort of don't care. You know, I, <laughs> I can see your website, it looks bad, you know, that sort of thing. I wanna talk about you and your team, right? And they're yeah. a little bit taken aback, like, so I wanna know how it got like that, why it gets like that, what is mm. happening on operationally that that kind of stuff gets online. Let's fix that because then we fixed the source of the problem and hopefully we can tune yeah. that. And it's, you know, never a 100%, but it can certainly get better. And we've seen it get better, right? We've seen it get better inside organizations where people begin to understand that, no, that team designs the user interface, right? <laughs> Not mm. all the teams across yeah. the world. Or they might say, yes, we've decided to decentralize that. And it's okay for every country to have their own homepage style. But it's intentional, right? It's not unintentional right exactly. yeah and that there's just a difference yeah, well i think that's the key intention exactly <laughs> yeah. it's intention yeah again, again you created created the space and allow people to intentionally mm -hmm. do things within it um i've uh, i wonder if we'll start to wrap up a little bit and I've, I've i've wondered um if there's one one bit of advice you could give to someone out there who's working in a web team um Oh, I'm not going to pick a role. The, oh. <laughs> I was I was thinking maybe we should say UX because a lot of people that listen to the show, or the most of the people that listen to the show, are UX, but not all of them. But if you are in a in a web team um, and and haven't really got on top of of digital digital governance, um, what's the one bit of advice you would give to them to 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 start going about it? That's a loaded question because I'm wondering what situation they're in. Ah. Are they, in, give you more information. <laughs> are they in a chaotic situation? Are they a junior person? Are they a slightly senior person? Are they... Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll say... Let's paint Just the color I'll do, it I'll a do little the bit. Okay, <laughs> I'll, do the, I'll, do the full, I'll paint the full picture then. Okay. Right, it's, it's a basic setup. So it's a web team. It's centralized. Um, they're, they're publishing or writing basically what they're asked to by their organization. The, maybe the site is owned by corporate communications and the platform's owned by IT. Um, um, so yeah, it's quite, it's quite chaotic. Um, um, and they're one of a of a of a team that's doing that, and they're probably sitting in a lot of meetings trying yeah. to decide stuff and arguing. So they might be quite senior within that yeah. team, mm -hmm. um, but they're within a, a corporate communications environment. Mm -hmm. so. Okay, so I'll give two answers, right? Because there's one variable that makes a difference on what they can successfully do, sort of from a somewhat tactical position, right? So I'm assuming this isn't somebody with a C in front of their name, but somebody who's on yeah. the digital team on a hands-on capacity, right? Yeah. So if you're, if you're doing that, it really depends, I think, primarily on your leadership, right? So, you know, I talk about in the book about digitally progressive and digitally conservative leaders, right? And one's not good and one's not bad, right? As much as one might think, it just really depends on the context. But it really is, are they open to listening to the digital story and understanding digital as something more than sort of a tactical way to get brochureware online or to push transactions through a system, right? If they have an open mind, then you might have an opportunity to actually start to make a business case of why you need to get organized. And you can sort of shop that up the food chain, right? So, but usually if that's the case, you've seen it and you've already done that. Most people are in the second um, situation, which is it's kind of tone deaf, right? Yeah. Upstairs, and there's not really a lot that you can do. And um, while you cannot give yourself authority, so this is what a lot of people try to do is, is say, well, I'm just gonna do, write a digital governance framework and say I'm in charge. <laughs> I mean, I've seen that a lot, 
because yeah. I'll come in, they'll say, we tried to do this, but it didn't work. And it's like, well, because you can't give yourself authority, right? Someone who has authority over you has to give you authority. But what you can do is start to create horizontal collaboration groups and start to build consensus. So there are usually some hands-on people at your level in the organization, maybe in other parts of the organization that also know that everything's a mess. You, they might be some people that you argue and debate with all the time, people that are sort of on the good side of things, that sort of thing. So developing an internal community of practice, right, is a really strong move because if you can get sort of organic grassroots alignment mm -hmm. and start to come to agreement about certain things, you can s start to holistically move that upwards and say, you know, our teams decided that we think we should make decisions like this and then you can present that to the appropriate manager and start to make recommendations about what a good governance framework would be. But I will stress, if you do that, you can't do it in a silo. So it can't be the two or three people on the core team who are angry, right? Mm. That they don't get to make all the decisions saying, okay, we have all the authority. We're going to give it to our manager, make it so. It has to be very holistic and extend to the full digital community. That's an exercise, right? I mean, it takes work, it takes work, but that is something that you, that you can do. Um, another tactical thing that you can do, and then I'll, 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 I'll stop talking about it, is <laughs> you can actually start to document your standards, right? So a lot of people, when we go in, they'll say things like, you know, we have all these rogue teams and they don't follow our standards, right? You know, we come up with a, 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 a UI and then, you know, they come up with their own information architecture, their own color palette or whatever. And then the next thing I say is, well, let me see your standards. And they're mm -hmm. like, well, we act, well, we have a style guide. There's always one of those, right? And it's like, mm -hmm. but what about all the other stuff that says you can't pick your own CMS or this is the mm -hmm. standard CMS or this is our taxonomy and how you want. So a lot of times, and it's usually because they're busy, people haven't actually written down standards, yet they somehow expect people to comply with them. Mm -hmm. which kind of doesn't make sense. So if you don't want to take the time to sort of build collaboration groups, because that can be t time consuming and talk about that, you might want to at least create some small working groups to start documenting your standards to see if you actually know what you're talking about and if you actually have them, or if maybe you're just sort of inflicting your taste, right, <laughs> of the right. moment onto a larger group, which could be frustrating for them. So that's mm -hmm. kind of a mishmash of, of things that you can do. Um, but that are a little bit helpful, but you know, obviously I like going for the big picture framework yeah. because um, it's time for this stuff to mature. I mean, for goodness sake, it's been 20 years. <laughs> grow I mean, up. Yeah. <laughs> well, grow up already, right? Yeah. I mean, I think of digital as being in an, stuck in an adolescent phase, right? Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's got keys to the car, you know, and it wants to go out and have a lot of fun, but there need to be some accountability mechanisms in order to ad enter adulthood. Right, it's time to really mature this discipline and get it integrated with the rest of the company, which is gonna be some changes for those of us who work in digital who are sort of sometime used to doing whatever we want, right? And not being too account held accountable for some things that we do. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's just sort of what we're gonna have to take in if we want the rest of the organization to um, take it seriously. Yeah. I, I could spend absolutely all week talking to you, Lisa, about oh, this. Oh, that's sweet. That <laughs> was an excellent answer. I mean, it gave me a lot of ideas, actually, yeah. to go ahead and talk to my clients about it. Yeah. Yay. Well, that makes me feel yeah. good. Yeah. But also, the first step, of course, is to, to buy your book, I think. I hope and so. It's and not, it's not out yet. When is it coming out? It is shipping on February 19th. 
And on Rosenfeld Media's blog, it says you can pre-order it at 30% off. Yes, you can. Up until the 19th. Exactly. Um, you can and this, this show it. should be out and on sixth of February. On the sixth of February, yep, so, so yes. you've got time to. So um, listeners will have time to get to that price. Go ahead and get it. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and I've read a little bit of it already, and um, um, I'm going to keep reading it because mm. um, th- it's been too much fun. Because it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up, and this is going to help. Um, I should I change the title. It's time to grow up. It's time yeah. to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you do the second edition, Lisa, yeah. you can put that in. <laughs> no, yeah. how about this? Grow up already. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's it. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Oh, excellent. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank oh, you for having great. me. I appreciate it. So why don't we do three-hour podcasts, Pearl? Three hours. We should do. Yeah. We might do one. Yeah. We haven't talked much about episode 100 yet. Oh, should we do a three-hour one for... Uh, we, could, we could just go <laughs> for as long as we want. Well, yeah, no, we could, especially if we talk to Lisa. That was, um, yeah. that was really interesting. Uh, it was, and I was. Uh, I always feel so frustrated because I know she's right, and I spend too little time on this with my clients. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going heading now to a to a quite a, a half year project um, doing a new website, and you listeners will know that me and you we talk an awful lot. We complain an awful lot about the 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 new web the website redesign project. Mm. And talking to Lisa, you, yet again, you're reminded about. What's wrong with doing that? I mean, we, mm. we say it all the time, and it is wrong doing these three yearly or four yearly or two yearly, whatever it is, redesigns, mm. whether it's an app, website, mm. service, w- what the hell. Mm. What The problem is that we haven't got the governance in place. Yeah. Or yeah. We're not honest to ourselves about the governance. And Lisa said that you, if you aren't, which well, implied anyway, if you aren't honest about, about what's happening in your organization, then, yeah, a new pretty website is seen as a solution. Mm-hmm. Temporary hit yep and I love their story about people asking her about the website and her, she's saying well I can't just look at your website and analyze the problem I have to talk to the people and understand why did the website get like this mm. and that to me ties in a lot with UX and understanding both the client side and the customer side and how they should approach the website to actually make something that's useful for both of them yeah. and something that can work even for the inside team the people working with the website yeah and of course, <laughs> it was hard not to laugh when she said uh, that breaking down silos is a myth. Yeah, it was that one used, of our used to be one of our taglines. But it is still on the website. On the website, it is. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, we don't say it enough. Now we should stop saying it because Lisa is absolutely right. It's crossing You can't silos. get away from the silos. So. No, but we know that. But so, but but uh, okay, so yeah, I know that. But so what? Yeah. What she was saying really is the way to break down silos. Then is for it's the to, silos to start talking to, to each cross other. silos, and that's yeah. really what we're getting at when yeah. we say breaking down silos, because mm. that that comes from the, the the kind of sitting in your silo and whinging, mm. which is where where our breaking down silos comes from. Yeah, um, but she's <laughs> right. I mean, I we we've got to be honest with ourselves. Mm. You're not going to succeed digitally if you're if you're doing the whole kind of like you know. Covering your eyes up and saying, la, 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 I can't really see what's <laughs> going on here. It's not really, you know, I don't really all of these governance problems and organization isn't really like that. Mm. So, and everyone can make a difference with this. As you oh, said, yeah. that, I, I think it was good advice at the end there. If you feel as if, you know, there is digital chaos at your organization, start by reaching out and creating a community, a cross silo community of peers um, who maybe you don't get on with. Um, who have conflicts with in your organization, or maybe you do get on with, but mm. people who are in your area and can understand the digital side of things and start to talk yeah. and make those baby steps towards um, developing mm. a governance framework. Finding 
like-minded people sort of with the same types of challenges and uh, mm. create those ties between the different departments yeah. that would be yeah because you uh, fantastic advice because yeah. you can't you you mm. can't throw a government framework mm. onto an organization it's got to come organically based on the culture that exists yep boy so much work to do now but now it's the weekend <laughs> it is <laughs> okay so remember we're going to post some of the links <laughs> when you said remember i thought you said to keep moving no oh I remember that we're supposed to say some stuff about UX podcast at the end because you're supposed yeah. to give people oh. something to do now. You mentioned the weekend. People, like people stopped listening now. Yeah. But a reminder, just go to the to the website, uxpodcast.com. Sign up for the backstage emails. Oh, yeah. We have great fun sending You're very out, good at um, sending them out. And, of course, the I links, enjoy to links uh, for the uh, uh, show, show notes or links for the th- stuff we talked about in the show. Yep. Pro- oh, the link to the book, of course. Yes. Uh, with 30% off. Yes. yes. Uh, what else? Subscribe to us. Stitcher, iTunes, uh, the podcaster app. Sound like you, you've lost the enthusiasm in your voice. You sound I like know. You mean it. But there's so much, and, and w- people have criticized us about this. You can't say all that stuff. You need to say one thing or two things. People won't remember it anyway. <laughs> so what are we so doing? Okay, so, so what are we the really one thi- saying here? So what's the one thing we want them to do? What's the one thing we want our listeners to do now at the end of the show if they're still listening? Go in and sign up for the backstage email. I like it. Yeah. Do that. Do that. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. (laughs) 